and I, I see my little plaques that I have there by the stove, because I like to cook sometimes. That reminds me not to ever let my memories be bigger than my dreams. Amen. And with God, all things are possible. Yes, amen. 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 And every time I start to try to get into bitterness or unforgiveness, tries me, tries everyone. Or self-pity, regret. I reminded of Jesus. That's a good thing about Holy Spirit. He's come here to remind us of everything that Jesus has said and done, and to teach us and guide us, and the Paraclete to come alongside and help us. And Bless us and empower us. The same power that raised Christ from the dead lives inside of us and gives life to these mortal bodies. Amen. Amen. Knock, knock. <laughs> Donut. 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 Donut open till Christmas. What's the reindeer say before he tells the joke? This one's going to slay you. <laughs> what did the stamp say to the Christmas card? Stick with me and we'll go places. <laughs> I got one more from my, from my Cattleman's Magazine. <laughs> one night the a Viking named Rudolph the Red was looking out his window. And he said, it's going to rain tomorrow. And his wife says, how do you know that? He says, because Rudolph the Red knows rain, dear. <laughs> Father, thank you for this day that you've given us to come here and celebrate you. You're coming to this world and everything that that entails. We love you for it, Lord, and we thank you for allowing us to meet here, meet your children in this place, to come and worship you and to celebrate you together and to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you for opening all the hearts and minds of everyone here and everyone who will hear this message other times and other places. Let them receive the seed of your word into good ground let it take root and bear fruit in their lives that they may be helped healed empowered loved and prospered by you through the salvation in jesus christ alone amen luke chapter two right luke chapter two is a good place to go. I read it over and over through this time of year, the, the things about the coming of our Lord Jesus. We're here today, this is the last time that we're going to meet before Christmas Day. 
And so we want to talk about the coming of our Savior, Lord, and King, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. As Brother Charlie mentioned, it uh, was prophesied 700 years before him, his coming. In uh, Isaiah 7.14. And... Preparations were being made for a long time in heaven to get the perfect arrangements made. This is the greatest, not only his coming, but of course all the way through the crucifixion, the resurrection, and enthronement of Jesus. But the greatest triumph, military, political, spiritual, Victory ever accomplished or ever will be. All figured out at the the war council, if you will. You know who's on that council? The Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. The determinate council, amen, what the Bible calls it. They thwarted the devil's plans. And brought us back into relationship with God. If we want it. Amen. Let's read Luke chapter 2. In those days. A decree went out from Caesar Augustus. That all the world should be registered. This was the first registration from Quirinius. Who was governor of Syria. And all went to be registered, each to his own town. This is interesting. This would help the Roman Empire, of course, with taxes. What else? For the people to uh, be signed up for the army, conscription. Of course, they didn't make the Israelites serve in their army, but they weren't. They weren't left out of the taxes. Amen. And it was prophesied that the Messiah would be born in Bethlehem, wasn't he? Well, Mary and Joseph weren't in Bethlehem. So God can use anybody, whether they're godly people or not. He uses, he uses a jackass, he uses a rooster. So I guess he can use me and you, amen? And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David. I was thinking about this yesterday. I look up on my phone, and I was like, you know, it's about 70 miles from where they were to where they needed to be. Now, 70 miles is... Pretty far for us, you know. I know I, thankfully, I've been blessed in my work and I've been able to tell them I'm not going down to south of Clear Creek anymore. I'm not going south. I'm not going to Galveston or any of that to run appointments. Give it to somebody else. Too far. (laughs) That's driving. (laughs) From, yeah, from my house to... Right there at Tiki Island. Well, you'd put you seventy miles from my house would put you right there in the on the bridge. Yeah. You know, 
And if somebody told me to walk down there, <laughs> or take my wife and maybe a donkey, you know, <laughs> whoo, be rough. We'd have to be young like they were, amen? <laughs> but God was making arrangements, wasn't He? For the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth, and she gave birth to her firstborn son, and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger, because there was no place for them in the inn. A lot of folks think that this inn was actually belonged to David, and it had been sold over the years and but anyway it's interesting that it really was probably uh belonged to his family anyway (laughs) and that and in the same region there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night and an angel of the lord appeared to them and the glory of the lord shone round them and they were filled with great fear and the angel said to them fear not For behold, I bring you good news, great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among men. Among those whom he is pleased. This is the English Standard Version. So you probably have a little different version there maybe. But uh, it means the same thing. Believe me. This is. Some people have misconstrued this to say peace on earth amongst men. That will not happen. Hopefully we strive for peace of course. And we're supposed to try and live at peace with everyone the best we can. But he's offering peace between This is a vertical restoration, okay, between man and God. All those who, and the ones he is pleased with is who? Those of us, not of our, not of by works, but because we have received Jesus as our Lord and Savior. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. And at the end of eight days, when he was circumcised, he was called Jesus the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. Praise God. This this year, I was reading, oh, my my daughter actually sent me a a link and said, you got to talk about this at church a couple of weeks ago. And I said, yeah. And so yesterday I remembered that and I looked it up and it's talking about the... uh, the Christmas star is going to be visible 
for the first time in nearly 800 years. And that's, is that tomorrow? That's tomorrow. So that's interesting. And what it is, is Jupiter and Saturn aligning in very close proximity so that it's, uh, so anyway, that's some, of some interest to me and I'm going to check it out. I think it's going to be really beautiful. And it's in the, um, could be wrong, I'm thinking the northwest. Anyway, there was one place that reported on it, and theirs, theirs had that, and it was un, un, underneath it was a beautiful little crescent moon, golden crescent moon, and then they were lined up like that on top. So anyway, something to look for, and uh, that'll really bless me if I get to see that for sure. I want to just visit this great event. And I want to talk about the why, about why he had to come. Because that should uh, be of interest to everyone in this world. You know, the greatest mistake, I see people make mistakes every day. And I meet people and my heart goes out for them and I... I have to cast it back on the Lord because I want everybody saved. I want everybody to know and accept the Lord Jesus. Once you, once you know Him, He's, he's very irresistible. <laughs> so, And He has done great things for me and I want people to know Him. And they continue on in their error and in their arrogance and their mistakes. And I remember when I was there too. And it's only by the grace of God I am what I am. And that He saved me so we pray. Amen. Amen. But the biggest mistake, like Charlie said, being out of the will of God, the biggest mistake in this life, at the end of this life, is to leave this life not knowing the Lord Jesus and having accepted Him. Jesus, why would the King of kings and Lord of lords, why would He come down from heaven well, it was necessary. <laughs> it was necessary. This world had fallen. I, I, I say you just have to count to five to figure it out. The Father, Son, Holy Ghost, creation, into, into which entered in corruption, didn't it? That's the four, the number for man. And without the grace, we were sort of stuck on four, weren't we? Redemption is five. That's the number for grace. And he had to come and be our kinsman redeemer. You see, when God put Adam and Eve in the garden, he gave them. God is a big giver, isn't he? Like Charlie said, extravagant God. He gave them everything. He gave them the world. And one little rule. (laughs) And they... Thought they were missing out on something. They believed this snake and this devil, and they fell for it. And when they did, corruption entered into the seed of mankind. And so everyone born from that fallen seed, that fallen nature, because God said, The day you eat of it, you will surely die. Well, they lived for hundreds of years, didn't they? What happened? They died spiritually. 
That's why I hammer down on spirit, soul, and body. John 4, 24 says that God is a spirit. And those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. If he created you in his image, and he is a spirit with a personality, with a soul, because the Bible says he has those things, all the same emotions that you do, then you're a spirit with a soul riding around in a body. And they died spiritually, and everyone born of them after that were also born dead spiritually. It was a man who gave away that authority. And so it was a man who had to get it back. We needed what the Bible refers to as a kinsman redeemer. In the Old Testament, a kinsman redeemer, Bible uh, dictionary for that, is a male relative who, according to various laws of the Pentateuch, had to had the privilege or responsibility to act for a relative who was in trouble, danger, or need of vindication. I think of Boaz and Ruth. That's a perfect picture of Christ and you. Amen. He was born to die. Remember when I used to ride Harleys, man? There was a lot of guys that had that born to die, you know. You weren't born to die. You were born to live. To find life in Christ. People going around hating on them. Got so many daddy issues in this world. So many victims. Marilyn Hickey says, oh, we can't afford all the people that want to be sick in this country. I'm not saying everybody that's sick wants to be sick. Of course they don't. And that's not what she meant either. She's a very nice woman. (laughs) But you know what I'm saying too. There's a lot of people been laying by that pool of Bethesda for many, many years just whining about it. And they got so used to it that you have to ask them, do you want to be well like Jesus did? It seemed like a silly question at the time. But it wasn't silly because Jesus asked him. Why would he have asked him if he didn't need to break through there? He was born to die, Jesus. He to be our sacrifice. Maybe that's why God chose to send the angels to shepherds in the field. Shepherds watching over sheep. Right outside of Jerusalem, they were probably tending these sheep without blemishes that were raised and with very special care because these were their sacrificial lambs there for the Passover. Nevertheless, he did. But I think it's cool because the shepherds raising those sacrificial lambs, he wanted them to see the real sacrificial lamb. Amen. The eternal sacrifice is what it calls in Hebrews 10, 14. Right? We needed him. That's why I came. But also, because he want, God wanted to be relatable to us and relevant. Does that make sense to you? They didn't really know how to Worship. They were so uncomfortable. You remember when Mary, when the when the angel came and told 
Mary, she was afraid, you know. They lived under the law. They weren't used to hearing praise from the priests. <laughs> you know what I mean? Do good, get good. Or you're okay, do bad, get bad. They were used to just hearing from them when they were in trouble for something and needed to atone for it somehow. Make a sacrifice. Pay a tax. Do this, do that, do the other. Lizard fell in your pot. Oh, get rid of it. This happened. Go outside the camp. You're dirty. Unclean, unclean. My goodness. Look at 1 John chapter 1. Back in the back. John says, beginning in the first chapter, that which was from the beginning. First John, the epistles in the back. First and second and third John in the back, not the book of John. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we looked upon and have touched with our hands concerning the word of life. The life was made manifest and we have seen it and testified to it and proclaimed to you the eternal life which was with the Father and was made manifest to us. That which we have seen and heard we proclaim also to you so that you too may have fellowship with us and indeed our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son Jesus Christ and we are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. They're saying this God who created everything, He's been with the Father since the beginning. Whatever that means, way before our beginning, Time for us isn't time for God. He created time. It's like a ruler suspended in, in space. I always like to refer to it. That's the entire history of man playing out as we live through it and already has played out in the mind of God. Amen. Amen. He created time. He's not confined to it. Wow. But they said he's coming we touched Him. We saw Him. We spent time with Him. We know Him now. And we want you to know Him. And then He said, that, that'll make our joy complete. Just like I was saying, man, when you know Him, when you really know Him and you love Him and you, and you see how good He is, you want everybody. It breaks your heart when they scoff and mock God and just, and just think you're foolish when you see that they're really dead spiritually. I can't get over how many people I meet in this world that, especially when it comes to their children and things like that, all they want is for them to be happy. And they, they give very little regard to whether they're actually saved or not. Now, I know they're not God and they're not supposed to carry that burden on their heart, but it should be something of great concern. And when you're ashamed to talk about Jesus in your own home and around your own family for fear of offending someone, that's a big problem. And I believe people will be held accountable for that. When it comes to our children or anything that's put in our care, it's all God's anyway. And children belong to God too. Our only 
concern is to bring them up in the fear and admonition of the Lord. That's just teaching them and instructing them about this word right here. Jesus without eyeballs. People think of this and they just... I, I love meeting new people. When they find out you're a Christian, they just immediately... They start testing you. And they're looking... First, they're really not testing you to see how good you are. They'll do that later. First, they start testing you to see if you're, ready, if you're there to judge them. <laughs> Man, how many times have I had to tell people, Listen, I'm... <laughs> I'm the furthest thing from your judge. I'm just a witness. I'm a witness for Jesus Christ, for what He's done in my life and who He really is. I know Him. I want you to know Him. He wants you to know Him and that's all. The rest, He'll handle. (laughs) They think you want to get them all fixed up. You know. Well, you don't... You don't take a... You don't get cleaned up to take a bath, right? <laughs> so, I don't focus on the... I, if I see a sick tree, I don't go start washing the leaves. <laughs> Try to make it better. Mm-mm. It's the root. Yeah. In this nation, we don't have a, a racial problem. Although, there is a racial problem. But it's not about that. It's not about gender identity. It's not about global warming. It's not about any of that nonsense. It's a sin problem. Yes. People need Jesus. Devon wears a shirt all the time and says, Y'all need Jesus. <laughs> That's pretty simple, but it's true. Look at Hebrews chapter 4, 15. I, I don't want to go too long. I'm not going to turn there because I might read the whole chapter. But Hebrews 4, 15 simply explains that we don't have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with us in our weaknesses. Talking about him being relevant and relatable again, okay? That's a great scripture right there, Hebrews 4.15. We don't have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. God came down here just like a good boss at any company you ever worked for. A good boss is the one that cleans the toilets. A good boss is one that never asks you to do anything he won't do himself or hasn't done for years, you see. He came to experience it himself so we can't say, well, you don't know what it's like. Well, he found out what it's like. He set aside all his privileges The only thing he had in his three and a half year ministry was what you have if you haven't been too prideful to accept the baptism of the Holy Spirit. (laughs) Or fearful. I I don't know. I'm not going to call it prideful. I'm not trying to insult anyone. I'm just saying if you don't have it, you need it. Is that right, Charlie? 
<laughs> you want to cut right to the chase and break through the flesh in your prayer life? Get right into the throne room of God quickly? <laughs> Look at John, the book of John this time. <laughs> the first chapter, which is where we got the name of this church. For good reason as well. In the beginning was the Word. Jesus is the Word. Capital W. Amen. Amen. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. You see that? He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him. See, so it stopped calling Him the Word and started calling it Him. You see that? And all things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God, whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light, that all might have believed through him. He was not the light, but, became, but came to bear witness about the light. Talking about John the Baptist. I think Jesus' ministry was short. I think, God bless you, I think that John the Baptist's ministry, some say, was only less than a year. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, just talking about Jesus, and his own people did not receive him. But all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory. Glory as of the Son, only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. See, the law came through Moses. Grace and truth came from Jesus Christ. That scripture has made such an impact on me in my life as I've seen some things around the body of Christ. That's why the name of this church is Grace and Truth. Because grace, grace by itself will lead you into a life of sin. Truth, apart from grace, will kill you or destroy you. Too much to bear. Grace and truth, you have to have a balance. It's like, it's like the chemical combination NaCl2. We know what that one is? Sodium chloride. Well, sodium by itself is poisonous. And so is chloride, chlorine. But you put them together in the right combination and it's common table salt, something that you can't live without. Most of us eat too much of it, but believe me, you have to have it. Grace and truth are sort of like that. Some people focus on grace to the extent that they've, I've seen it, destroy churches, saying that living any way they want, saying that 
They do the best they can, which is a lie, and Jesus does the rest. Well, the Bible says that the grace of God, which has appeared to all men, teaches us to live godly lives in this present evil age. So grace is a teacher. And if it wasn't provided through the atonement of Jesus on the cross, then it's not grace. See, faith, our faith is the hand that reaches out and grabs hold of the things provided by grace. So it's important to know what's been provided through the atonement, isn't it? Because if you're believing for something that Jesus didn't provide for, then you're not really in the will of God. If someone has told you that God has done something to you that He's actually provided the remedy for, then you need to get out of that place. Amen. 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 The third thing, besides coming because we needed Him as our kinsman redeemer, and to be coming to be relatable and relevant to us, which He has done, is so that we will know Him. And John seventeen three, He makes it very clear on that fateful night. One of my favorite scriptures. Because I used to, the Lord still laughs at me when I talk to Him about it because I used to, I used to be so, so what I would call foolish with God now. But you know, you can't, I told you how that man tested uh, God's patience with Billy Graham that day. Anyway, when Billy Graham was having a huge stadium event, when a man came down the field and made a big scene, you know, the devil always wants to draw attention to himself. And he said, I'm going to prove there's no God. If there's a God, he's going to strike me dead in the next minute. And he stood there, and Billy just stood there waiting. And the minute passed, and he said, see, that proves it. There's no God. And Billy said, that doesn't prove there's no God. It just proves you can't exhaust his patience in one minute. <laughs> And neither could I. I, But this scripture, Jesus is making a lengthy prayer. He's there with his disciples. And in a nutshell, I'm trying not to turn to these passages of scripture. You You know how I am. The word is so wonderful, you just can't stop when she starts. It's like Lay's potato chips. <laughs> can't eat just one. Can't read just one scripture. <laughs> Got to find out what it's there for. <laughs> he says, and this is eternal life. That wouldn't be so odd if he was just... If he was just expounding to the disciples, but he was praying to the Father. So I'm like, why are you telling your Father the definition of eternal life? <laughs> he says, it wasn't for him, silly. It's for you and for them. But this is eternal life, that they know you, the one true God, and your Son, Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. That's the meaning of life. To know God, the Father, God, the Son. And I love how humble the Holy Spirit is, but God, the Holy Spirit. He didn't even mention himself there. You see that? He's awesome, though. He he liked that. We love you, Lord. Can you grasp that, though? 
knowing the creator of all life, knowing this God that, I mean, that's what in first John, that's what, that's what John opens up with. That's what he's talking about. He says, he was, he was here. This God that we've all, you know, known existed and been serving and they've been under the law for 1500 years. He came all they had ever talked about was the stories of how Moses went and got them out of Egypt and he parted the Red Sea and these great miracles and signs and wonders and he was bigger, larger than life. And then here he comes and he's born in a feeding trough. Oh, I know God got a kick out of that. I just know it. That's why he says, oh, it's hard for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. He didn't say it's impossible. Because when you remember in that conversation that he, he was saying a lot of things like that. He always did. He was, uh, he, was, he was a shocker for sure. He said a lot of shocking things to those guys. And I think that's really cool. They asked him, who can be saved? And he said, well, with man, it's impossible. But with God, all things are possible. We've been talking about believing. <clears throat> believing. If we truly believe, it'll cause us to do some things. Faith does have feet and lips, doesn't it? The Word made flesh and dwelt among us. I told a story before about when the Russian cosmonaut Yuri Gagarin went up into space and then they, they spun the political story when he got back. He didn't say this. Turned out to find out later on he was a devout Christian just hiding it in a, a very dangerous culture in which to be a Christian where you would be killed. And folks, if you're not careful, they're trying to impose that same way of life here. They want to do away with this truth. This truth makes socialism and communism impossible and impractical. But anyway, Khrushchev was the prime minister or whatever dictator over there at the time. And he, he went to the news media and he says, look, Yuri went into space. He didn't see God. What do you... Wasting your time believing in something that's not there. And C.S. Lewis, the great Christian writer, said, he wrote a response and he said, you don't relate to God as someone on the first floor of an apartment building relates to someone on the second floor. You just go up and meet them and say, now I've seen them, I, I know them. No, he says, you relate to them as 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 someone relates Hamlet relates to Shakespeare. We might know something about the writer to the extent that he puts info about himself in the play. But then as Christians, we believe that God went even further. He did more than just give us information. He looked at the world and he saw our lostness, our desperate condition, our hopelessness. Our inability to make things right. And he wrote himself into human history as the main character. 
It's a good place to shout, folks. <laughs> the second person of the Trinity, Jesus Christ. For God so loved the world, He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him will not perish, but have everlasting life. Amen. What does that mean to believe in, in Jesus? I have a whole, I could write a series of books on belief. We've been talking about the positive things about believing, which are all positive, actually. I don't know why I said that, but some of the key aspects to believing and receiving from God, right? We talked about praising and God and magnifying the Lord and thanking, being thankful and some of the keys on this wonderful Christmas key ring that God's trying to give His children to gain access to learn how to receive, to pray and receive and believe God. Not that it's a magical formula, but there are spiritual laws that He set in place for our behalf, for our benefit, to help us, not to hurt us. But people are dying from their lack of knowledge. People say ignorance is bliss. It's not. You're, our ignorance is killing us. Ignorance of the Word. Our lack of knowing God. That Word in John seventeen three, when He says, This is eternal life, that they know you. That's the same word they used in Genesis when it said, Adam knew Eve and they conceived and had a child. It's a very intimate relationship. And that's what God wants with us. So many people are pursuing the knowledge of the world, but the only truth is found in God's Word. God's truth. And this is what has set people free. Amen. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. The God of all creation did not come down here, be born that way, set aside all His rights and privileges, and be treated the way he was and crucified, spit on, mocked, killed by unbelieving men to be one of the ways. We have to believe. This Christmas, we need to allow Jesus to grow in our hearts. He is the Word made flesh. This is the seed of God's Word. This is Jesus. And He needs to come in and you need to ask the Holy Spirit to help you, to give you revelation, knowledge. I pray that every time you go into your prayer closet, or I say prayer closet, I don't have a prayer closet. I, I have places where I meet with God and I sit and I visit with God. But I hope you always carry your Bible with you and something to write on. <laughs> Because when he starts talking, which he's always talking, but when we start hearing, it's like a, he's like he's like, man, I've been waiting for a moment where I could get through to you. <laughs> you know what I mean? And it usually just comes on like a flood. I can't. I tell y'all all the time how I just I, sometimes he overwhelms me, and I just fall on the floor and just weep and I just reach up to him and praise him and say Lord you just you're overwhelming me right now you're just so good and I have such a revelation of that right now 
That's how I was yesterday. I just had such peace with him and just such a great time. I, I've, I've, uh, I've said it so many times that over the last dozen years or so, I, I've set apart my Saturdays and uh, unto God. And I, it's not a rule. I don't have to. If something comes up, I have a family event or Charlie buys me a ticket to the Astros game or something. You know, hey, I can go. I'm free from all the restrictions, but I it just this is the time that I have to to spend with the Lord and to set myself apart so I can hear Him. But man, we have some great times. I love Him, and I I know that you do too. And I just pray that this Christmas you'll take the time to plant the seed of Jesus into your family and spend some time yourself apart, alone with Him. He's he's jealous for you, you know that? It just means He loves you. He just, He knows that you need Him and He hates it when you when you give way, give open doors to the enemy in your life, because he loves you and he knows how destructive that can be. And he knows that he's the answer. And so he, that's what my hope for you is that you'll spend some time getting to know him better, spend time in the Word, planting seeds for Jesus and to others' hearts so that he might take root, bear fruit in their lives. Amen? Amen. He wants to heal everyone everywhere they hurt. And He's the only one who can. Amen? Amen. I love you all. Merry Christmas. God bless you. Dear Lord, thank You for this day. And thank You that You sent Your Son to save us, to redeem us, to pay for our sin, and to teach us the way, Your way, Help us to walk in it, Lord. Help us to understand that true repentance is not just turning from our sin, but it's turning towards You, which was really the goal, to come into relationship with You, to enter into that eternal life, which is found in knowing You and Your Son, Jesus Christ. Thank You, Holy Spirit, for helping us with this, to grow in this, to grow in the grace and truth of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen.